Yes, I'm on. Uh, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Look at, uh, I think we're starting at verse 6 tonight. And we're going to, uh, I'm going to read quite a few verses, go through the, uh, the end of the chapter. And we're going to just try to, uh, not, we're not taking these uh, like we did in Romans, just really absolutely verse by verse. But so many of them go together and explain uh, more of a whole uh, situation. And that's kind of what chapter 2 is. But it begins in verse 6. It says, but one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the Son of Man that thou visitest him. And now, if you go back to verse 5, it says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. So uh, it's been all this, uh, chapter 1, especially talking about angels and, and uh, how. Uh, you know, they're trying to worship angels. This is not, uh, they, they're not Jesus. And they, they don't, they're not uh, on the same level by any means with Jesus. And so uh, just coming here, it's kind of another emphasis here that unto the angels, he, he said he, he put them not in, uh, <coughs> he, he hath not, now, let me get this, for unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. And so he's about to say, you know, the, the angels are one that are in the world to come. They're not going to be the ones in charge. Now we're going to talk about who is and how important they are to God. So look in verse 6, it says, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. So they are made lower than the angels, but, but something's going to change. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see, notice this, but now we see not yet all things put under him. And so uh, everything's been put under him. He said, but, but right now, we're not there yet. We're not, uh, we're not quite there yet. And so uh, verse 9, he says, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Uh, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Verse 10, for it became him for whom all, uh, are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And I love that, saying, I, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, and will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power uh, of death, that is, the devil. And he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted." 
Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight. Please just guide my mind and my thoughts. Give me clarity of mind, strength of body. And, and Lord, I, I just I yield myself to thee. Please, here tonight. It's so vital. It's so important. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, we're going to kind of just see an overview of the remainder of the chapter. We've seen in chapter 1 how Jesus is superior to the angels. Uh, but in verse 5, we see that the world to come, the angels, will be in subjection to man. And it's, that's what it says in Hebrews 2, 5. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. And so he said, we're about to talk about a world to come. We're about to talk about something that's going to happen in the future. And he said, and the angels, he said, not only, they're not, they're not uh, on the level with Christ right now. And he said, when in the time to come, he said, the truth is, you're going to find out something unique. Man was made lower than them, but man is going to rule over them. And so, uh, verse 6 leads uh, to that, uh, to the amazement of that truth, so to speak, is, you know, where the, uh, the writer in God's allowing this, of course, but just to display his amazement, verse 6 speaks of, of the Old Testament passage where David praises God and relays his amazement at how God can care for sinful man the way he does. And so, uh, if you would, I just want you to look at Psalm 8. Look at, look at Psalm 8, and I think it's very important that when the, when the Bible refers to it, as verse 6 does, he says, But one in a certain place testified, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Well, what that's talking about, it's talking about Psalm 8, and it's talking about David. And David, Psalm 8, says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, and thou that thou mightest still the enemy and the adventure. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now, David makes it even more clear. David, uh, you know, a shepherd boy, grew up under those stars and the moon and the stars and the constellations. And truthfully, they knew a lot more about them than we do today. Uh, they, they studied them and they observed them and they spent a lot of time looking at them. And, and he's saying, okay, have you ever just walked out, been in some place where the, the stars are burning holes in the sky? Uh, been to the UP, where, where all of a sudden you realize there's a whole lot more stars in the sky than you ever realized before. And, and you walk out there, and, and it's just, honestly, you just go into amazement. It's like, in some sense, but even greater, you know, seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time, or seeing the Rocky Mountains for the first time. But you look up in the sky, and, and you think, oh my goodness, this vast creation, and I'm this little bit tiny microscopic speck and that's what David he said what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him and I just realized we had visitors here again tonight hello girls God bless you good to have you all right now uh, thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, verse 6. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, and the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. And so all these, uh, you know, uh, animal rights people, yeah, God gave them to us so we could eat them. And so, um, oh, Lord. Our, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And if you ever had some of that good venison, that's what you say. Uh, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent. You know, he, David's just saying, God, how incredible you are that you care about us. 
that you care about me. And so now in the New Testament, uh, the disciple, and of course we debated that a little bit, and there's always debate about who is the actual writer here, the human instrument. But now it's the disciple uh, here that, uh, of Christ that finds that that same humility and is equally amazed at how God could care so much for weak man. For now he's going back and he's saying, you know, uh, just like David said, verses 7 8 continue the thought that all creation is placed in subjection to man, but all creation is at this present time, does not yield to that submission. And so, you know, the, the truth is, is that uh, it, at this point, you know, angels, man was made lower than the angels for this time in, in uh, period in creation. And, and even more so, you know, you have fallen angels that literally try to destroy man, try to attack man. You've got Lucifer trying to attack. You know, I was listening to some clips today, it has nothing to do with this, but it's mind-boggling to me how much of a movement out, uh, out there there is, especially in, in Jesuit Catholicism. Catholicism that Lucifer is is the creator of Christ. I was listening to two priests make testimony that Lucifer is the creator of Christ. Uh, I, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even believe it. And they've uh, they've got a, a telescope that uh, that the the Vatican has created, and they call the telescope you know this thing to go. They call it Lucifer. And uh, mind-boggling. But anyway, uh, also man does not have power over disease. He does not have power over the resources of the earth as they deplete. He has no power over reality. Everything tends towards maximum disorder. I mean, right now, everything's crashing around. Everything built is is being torn down. I mean, uh, that's what that that second law of uh, thermodynamics really talks about. Everything created is decaying and dying from the moment of its creation. And man doesn't have power over it like that. He can't control that. He can't do that. Satan is the prince and power of the air. He's called the prince of this world in John 12, 31. The world as we know it at present is under the authority of angels, but in the world to come, man will rule and judge. And that's what this passage is talking about. And you say, well, how important is that? Oh, that's exciting to me. I mean, that, that's a wonderful thing. Man was made a little lower than the angels, yet God visits with man. God leads man. God supplies man. God empowers man. And that's an exciting thing. God cares about us. We're, we're not just here evolving. We're not just here just to exist. We, we're, we're, we don't believe in theistic evolution, that God created everything and then just stepped back and let what happened happen. We don't believe that. God is actively involved in everything we're involved Now, it's amazing that such a tiny, seemingly, seemingly insignificant creature would have the very God of the universe care about him so much. But it's so much that you look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. You know, three different people today, we had more than that, but three of the people that came in today to, to get food sat across my desk again. And I, this, is, this is my favorite time of soul winning. It is, is amazing because I've got all of my resources there to, you know, to illustrate and to do. And, and folks, 
probably about 75% of the people that I talk to, it's somewhere, maybe it includes all of this, or somewhere, it's either their mouths start dropping open, and the tears start flowing before we ever even finish. And you know why it is? As one put it last week, nobody ever told me this. But they grew up in church. And what am I telling them? You can have peace. You don't have to live in this turmoil. And I said, you know, and I'll tell them, I know your whole life. And it, they're telling you, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do everything. And, and you live realizing trying to convince yourself that somehow you're going to be good enough when the balances are weighed. And when they find out that's not it, I take a, I take a, a, I got my index cards there and I'll take an index card and, and I'll say, this is you and me. And I'll just start scratching all over it. I said, you know what all that is? That's all of our sin. And then I'll take a, a clean one and I'll hold it up and I said, that's Jesus, not a mark on him. I said, you know what he does for you? He takes all of your sin and mine. And you know what he gives us? His righteousness. A little lady today just busted out in tears when I showed her that. It is amazing that he came to taste death for every one of us. Our God cares so much for his creation, man, that he is willing to come in the form of man. But more than that, he is willing to suffer as man suffers. He is willing to die as man dies. And why would he do this? Look at verse 10. He's going to tell us why he does this. Why is he willing to come and to die for every man? Verse 10, it says, For it became him for whom all things and by uh, for." whom are all things, and by whom are all things. Look, look, it's a clarification. He said, you know, before I explain to you why he would do this, do you understand? Let me remind you who we're talking about. We're talking about the creator, creator of all things. Everything consists because of him. Uh, the, uh, uh, I think it's, it may be uh, Jehovah Nissi. I believe it's Nissi that, that is, uh, is our sustainer. It, you know what that means? It means that everything he created, he can keep it right where it is. He can keep it all going. And so, uh, for it became him for whom all are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Listen, he's, he's doing this so that we can be joint heirs with him, so that we can be uh, sons of God, that we can be his, his younger brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. He says, verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I, I sing praise unto thee? And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. 
Watch this. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is, the devil. Now, listen. From this passage, we see why Jesus would step off the throne of God and come in the flesh of man. Through the remainder of the chapter, it's explaining why God did this, why Jesus came and was willing to do this. He came to suffer as a man so man would know that God understands his pain. You know, we, we, so many times uh, we, we have to understand that things that God does, it's not, it's not uh, so, uh, you know, people will say, Jesus came so he could understand our suffering. Let me help you. God didn't have to come to understand. He came so that we know that he understands. He came so we could, look, if God just said to us and said, listen, I understand. That's like me going to somebody uh, that, that has cancer and they're dying and have terminal cancer and me saying, oh, I understand your pain. No, I don't understand. It's like me going to Randy Rogers as he sits in that wheelchair and has for 20-some years and me going up to Brother Randy and saying, Brother Randy, I understand what you're going through. I can't understand that. I can't fathom what he's gone through. I can't. And God looked down at his people and said, in his word, I understand. Now, we want to believe that. We want to, but listen, when he sent Jesus, when God came in the flesh of man and he suffered and was tempted like we've been tempted, we look at that and said, he knows. Matter of fact, he knows more because I've never been beaten beyond recognition. I've never had my body ripped apart. I've never been nailed to a cross. I can't even comprehend what he went through. So he came to suffer as man so man would know that God understands his pain. My, my daughter has started a ministry and I, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call one of those pages? I don't know what it's called, but do you know what it's called? It's a blog. Well, I don't know what it is. But, uh, but she started one of those. It's a ministry to, to people who have lost a spouse or lost a child. And I know uh, she and Brooke are supposed to be on it and do some kind of thing on it sometime this week, I guess. She's able to make a difference or help, especially other ladies, because she lost a husband. Therefore, others who also have suffered a loss will know that she truly understands their suffering. And can I tell you, this is a hard one to, to accept sometimes maybe, but God sometimes lets us suffer so that we can help others who suffer. I don't know, only God knows why little Asa didn't live here on this earth for just a few minutes. But I know this, Brooke and Mike can now help people in a way that they couldn't before. Amber can have a ministry to ladies there's no way she could have had if she had not lost Matt. His sufferings 
had a purpose. In verse 10, we see, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He, his suffering had a purpose. So he being made perfect through sufferings. Verses 11 through 13, uh, if you look at those, it says this. It says, And again, I will put my trust in him. And begin, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath power of death, that is, the devil. You see, in the eternal realm, we are perfect through him. God looks at us, and even, even now, uh, we, God looks at me because of Jesus and because of what he's done. Uh, he looks at you and me that have trusted him and accepted his gift of eternal life. He looks at us, and, and again, as I illustrated those folks on those cards, and I, and I, I looked at the lady today and I said, and so here's, here's your, your card that's on Jesus, and it's got all these marks on it, and you say, well, what if I sin today? Well, it, it, it doesn't go on your your wife, it goes over in this one. Uh, what if I sin tomorrow? It, it don't go on this one. It goes on this one. And I said, every sin from now to the time you go to heaven, it goes on this one. It's all on Jesus. And every time you sin, you still over here with a cart which God sees you as righteous. So in the eternal realm, we're perfect through him. If it was based on the present uh, we do much to cause him shame, but he sees us through his perfection. And that's why he talks about uh, this, you know, the terminology here uh, that, that uh, about shame. Uh, he, he said, uh, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. If you, in verse 11, you know, if he looked at us in our humanity, if he didn't, see, if God didn't see us through the blood of Christ, if he didn't see us through the righteousness of Christ, we would cause him shame. But he looks at us, we don't cause him any shame because he only sees in me the righteousness of Christ. I believe this is illustrated in the Old Testament through the life of Joseph, who was wronged by his brothers horribly, but he was not ashamed to call them brothers. And Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers because, look, it's not our, our you know, in our human flesh, not our simple, uh, sinful uh, uh, perfection, uh, uh, sinless perfection that God's saying oh, you've got to have. He looks at us and he says, you've taken my right, you've been justified, you're righteous. I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. And this all leads us to say also, I, I believe in my heart, what is man that thou art mindful of him? As I was going through this and studying this, I just kept coming. I think, man, Lord, all that you've done for us and all that you're willing to do for us and continue to do for us, every sin you keep taking on you. So that, as I got to this point, the thought came to me, then what need wouldn't he meet if he's done all this for us? And he's not ashamed to call me brother. What need wouldn't he meet? And that just kind of led me to Romans 8, 32. Romans 8, 32 is that he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Now, what did he give us? Verse 15, look at verse 15. He gave us peace, for the fear of death was vanquished. Verse 15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Folks, this is why it's so important, and I told the men, I'm, I'm really working on trying to get some, some alternative times and places and things and ways to, to meet and, and to go out and, and to visit. But this is the, if we really understand what we're doing, see, we, we go out, and even when we go soul winning or visiting, we, we think, okay, we need to make sure these people go to heaven. Well, that's true. We want people to receive Christ, and we want them to go to heaven. But do you understand, if we can really get through to them salvation by grace, that their whole life here on this earth can change? I don't know about you, but the moment I realized that it was a done deal and I'm on my way to heaven, I was able to sleep for the first time. You see, this world is in bondage. Religion is in bondage. They're in bondage. These these works, religion, they're in bondage because every step they take, even those, my old police chief, when I first went to work for Germantown Police Department, he was a devout Catholic, and every morning, seven days a week, he went to, I guess, Mass or something. He went there every morning. Why? Because he wanted to, look, he had to do that because he was going to, if nobody else made it, man, he was going to make it. He was going to get to heaven, so he did it all every morning. About six months after I became a police officer, he died of a heart attack. Let me tell you, if he was trusted in that mass and going to mass every morning, he's in hell. And I hate that. I I don't want that. I I wish I had known more about how to, uh, to, to witness to somebody, to help somebody. But the truth is, what kind of life is it that, that, that beats you up to say, you got to walk in this door today and tomorrow and the next day, and you got to do this, and you got to treat people a certain way, and you got to get baptized, and you got to give money, and you got to do all these things. And, and look, all those things can, are good things, but if you're haunted by the fact of, if I make one little misstep, now I'm going to hell. Or just the reality that I don't really know how God's scale always out. So you know what I have to do? I have to go in my pride and say, you know what? I know I'm good enough. That's how I get my confidence. I know I'm good enough. Do you understand that's a horrible sin? That's an incredible sin. The moment we say in our own goodness, I know I'm good enough. I, I, man, I go, we're like the Pharisees. I do this and I do that and I pray every day. And that's turmoil. And he says, Jesus said, and this is what we do for people, what we really should be doing for people. This is why it's so important, not only that we get them to a point to pray to receive Christ, but we also give them assurance of what they've just done. Because it says, and deliver them who through fear of death 
were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Anybody here get saved later in life? Anybody here, you, before you got saved, you'd lay down and you'd think about the fact that you were going to die and you can't stop it? And you don't know. It's tormenting. That you can't do anything about it and you're going to die and you, you have no idea. I went through absolute torment at Memphis State University. But long before that, there would be nights when I was a kid growing up that I would lay there and cry. Now, most kids don't even, you know, my mom and dad used to tell me, he said, son, you just, you think too far in the future and you, you think too much about this and you worry about things you don't need to worry about. But even as a kid, I was already, I remember at 10 years old saying to my brother, you're 15, I'm 10. When, when, when you're 20, I'll be 15. And when you're 25, I'll be 20. John remembers this. And I said, when you, you know, when you're, th- I got up to about 40 and said, man, that's scary. I can't go any farther. Because I'm thinking about the fact of how short life is. And, I, and it's got to end. And wait a minute, I don't want it to end. At least I didn't then. The way I feel these days, I'm not so sure about that. When you're in that condition and you don't know what's going to happen to you, that scares you to death. You can't sleep. You know, my testimony is that I, that I went out most every night there at Memphis State. I went out most every night. They had curfew at 10 or 10.30, and I, you know, I was gone. As soon as that was over, man, I hit the door. And I'd come back in 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Why? I mean, you got, you got all kinds of, you know, school and and practice in those, you know, those early days. And why would I do that? Well, the truth be known, I didn't want to go to sleep. I didn't want to try to go to sleep because I was haunted, scared to death. Now, verses 16 through 18, it says, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Even that's amazing. Angels, man was made a little lower than the angels, but he took on our form, not the form of an angel. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He did not choose the form of an angel. He chose the form of a man. For he had to face temptation and be victorious. That he could make reconciliation for us and for our sins. Since he was tempted and overcame temptation and sin. He could succor us or the word is to aid us. For only by becoming or coming in the form of man and suffering as man and being tempted as man, could he stand sinlessly in our place and pay the death that sin demands for us. I read this at 
some years ago, this man wrote this, but he said some years ago, an unmarried dean of women at a Christian college wrote an article entitled, If I Were a Mother. And it was based on her experiences with hundreds of young women. And this fellow says, no doubt, you know, that she had a lot of good information in there. She said, but she could never tell what a mother could tell. Because she's never been one. You know, as I read it, I thought, you know, you really, there's just no matter how good your intentions are, if you could have some good points and good things that you learn, but if you've never reared children or stayed up all night with a sick one or changed 10,000 diapers and you go on and on, you, you can't really comprehend what it means to be a mother. Any young girl could learn from the article, but every young girl would be wise to get to one who has been a mother and a successful mother. And that's really... As I conclude tonight, that's the picture of what Jesus did and why he did it. He didn't come saying, I've never done it. He came and said, I'll be made like you. I'll be tempted like you. I'll suffer like you, yet without sin. Why? So that we would know he understands our hurt, our pain, our trials, our temptations. So that we could trust him that he understands our heart. You know, he understands everything that you're going through right now. Every bit of it. So that's chapter 2. And, you know, just chapter 1 and chapter 2 are very important at Hebrews. Because it tells really who Jesus is. And then it tells why he came, and it tells how much he loves us. So it's amazing in the first two chapters of the Hebrews. Brother Allen is going to close us in prayer. And again, most gracious God, Lord, thank you again for this time that we have to spend with one another in prayer, prayer for one another, and prayer for loved ones. On this Wednesday night, Lord, thank you for that time. Lord, thank you for our pastor and pray for his, him and his wife. Lord, pray that you continue to bless them. Lord, now we ask you to bless as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.